Hello there. We're Vincent Elliott McNally. Yes, the great-great-grandsons of map-making mogul Rand McNally. And we'll be your hosts and tour guides on a trip across America, one small town at a time. In the spirit of our great-great-grandfather, we're traveling the country writing the family's first almanac in over 50 years. Towns and Country, the McNally Brothers' comprehensive guide to small-town America. Each week we'll be in a new town, and after getting to know the place and the people, we'll tell you, the listener, all there is to know. In a show we call These Parts, a podcast putting towns on the map. There once were two brothers, McNally, who around almanacs rallied. Does that sound familiar to any of you listeners? If it does, or if it doesn't, you're joining us again for another episode of These Parts. I'm Vince McNally. My brother is joining me, Elliot McNally, this week and every week. Thanks so much for taking this journey with me, Elliot. I'm excited about today's episode. What was that you were talking Are we the brothers McNally you were just talking about? Yeah, that's us. I was saying it in okay, kind of the beginning okay. to a limerick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I just wanted to double check. Great. Well, that was, that was fun. Um, and we are in a very fun town today, I think, Vince. And we have made our way back out to the East Coast, even. Yeah, it's um, beginning to be a bit of an interesting itinerary that we've set for ourselves because we, we're not really visiting towns near to one another. But you know what's great about that, Elliot? We get plenty of time on the road to remember what it must have been like for our great-great-grandfather Rand. Especially, you know, you, you think of the McNally heritage coming over, immigrating to the United States. We're actually in an island town this week. Uh, so we had to put the RV on a boat, get over here. Uh, we were advised against putting the RV on a boat. We we decided to anyway. And you know, you just it, it harkens back to these immigrants coming over to America to start a new life. And it harkens back to the people who traveled out west and had to you know bring everything that they had with them. I I think you you know remember well enough. We're still drawing some of the equipment, but before we took the ferry, we tried to caulk the RV and float it mm-hmm. to this mm-hmm. town. And you know we tipped over in the bay. We lost some of our supplies and we towed it back to shore. And then you know we shelled out the dollar and fifty cents for the ferry. Um, and we where did we make it, Elliot? Where what town did we land in? I'm going to tell you right in our next segment. Put it on the map. So, listeners at home, this is your opportunity to take out your comprehensive Rand McNally U.S. wall map. Post it up, pin it up, unfurl it, set it on a table, and jab one of your commemorative pushpins in a little Massachusetts town called Limerick. Limerick is a little island town off the coast of Massachusetts. That's where Vince and I find ourselves. We had to sort of improvise the map this week. One of the things that went overboard was our uh, half of our supply of Rand McNally Almanacs, actually. So we were able to, you know, draw it up on a little napkin. I, I think you did a pretty good job, Vince. I mean, I can tell it's the United States. You got the main little bump up there, and you have Florida. I don't know what the whole squiggly section is over there yeah uh i kind of forgot the amount of canada that's between us and alaska and so then i redrew it a a bunch of times i just drew Mm. it over and over again okay okay i just wanted to get the land masses straight but hopefully all you listeners at home have your commemorative u.s wall map hanging up you used your 
Rand McNally push pins. If you need more, we're always willing and able to send you more of them. But today we're putting a pin in a very special town, a town with so much history. Limerick was the first town settled by Irish immigrants. So you think of the McNally name, you think of our ancestors, Vince, and you think of our entire family coming over here. This is where they got their start. Absolutely. And the our great-great-great-grandfather, Pater, was one of the first McNallys to set foot in the New World. And he, you know, he was no almanac maker. He was no cartographer by trade. He was a simple shoemaker, a cobbler, as they called him in the old world. Uh, but even on the soles of his leather shoes, he would often stitch or inscribe the you know, little detailed drawings of the places he liked to visit. So it's something that's been ingrained in us from the very beginning. We have a history here in Limerick, and a lot of the great people in our country have a history here too. And the town has a history of its own. Why is this town specifically famous, Elliot? The town specifically is famous because although it was the first town settled by Irish immigrants, it was also the first town to have a limerick based on it. And that's, you know, where we get the name Limerick, Massachusetts. Unfortunately, uh, a slightly more famous town was settled just three months later, and you all know that is Nantucket, Massachusetts. Nantucket, Massachusetts. What we have here is a pretty interesting dynamic, Elliot. You've got a town founded by Irish immigrants, and it was the first of its kind, no less. To commemorate a proud Irish, you know, cultural tradition, they named it after their patron poem style. Now, they wrote not only this first limerick about it, but many limericks about it, and they hoped that these being kind of seminal works would stand the test of time. But what happened, except for an opposing group of Irish settlers settled Nantucket just three months later, and their famous or infamous limerick skyrockets in popularity and has never been knocked from its perch since. Unfortunately, as many Irish stories go, there, there's a, quite a sad ending to, not, not the end of Limerick, because of course we're here today, but the start of Nantucket, which in many ways was the little death of Limerick. And in fact, the first Limerick about Limerick was about Nantucket, and it went something like this, Vince, I have it written down here. Oh, please, Elliot, share it with us. This is very interesting. There once was a man from Limerick who founded the town as a gimmick. But to his dismay, the people did stray and left all the way to Nantucket. So you see that, you know, the, the first limerick ever written was about people leaving the town of limerick and that's that's very disheartening especially for the man attributed to write this original limerick and a man that i think we should talk about in our next segment local legends so local legends gives vince and i the opportunity to explore some hero either famous or infamous from whatever town that we spent the weekend and we do a lot of research, we talk to all the different townspeople, and we we really try and narrow down who we're going to talk about. And this week is none other than the founder of Limerick, the, the writer of the first Limerick, um, Mackenzie McIntyre. Mackenzie McIntyre, or as his contemporaries would call him, Double Mac. 
uh, he was a poet. He was a poet in the old world, and he came over to the new world because his art was facing persecution by a very overzealous church at the time. Uh, His limericks were starting to kind of embody what now has become the body, semi-lewd, jesteresque style. And the church was none too fond of it. They preferred their limericks to be very pious and devout and, you know, clean, whitewashed. But he was pushing the boundaries of limericism. And so he mm-hmm. came over with the first group of Irish settlers. He was beloved by the people who settled the town with him. You know, he was kind of the bard of the group. And he had a lot of say in, in the way things were run, and he became the first mayor, and he named the town after the medium he was so fond of. Mackenzie McIntyre was the seminal influence in the town, and he really raised spirits for all the immigrants who were coming across the pond, as they say, and who were starving. They came over during the potato famine in Ireland, and these limericks and the sing-songy way of Mackenzie McIntyre really brightened their spirits. Absolutely. He famously would leave messages in a bottle on the kind of route that they took from, you know, Ireland to Massachusetts so that the people who were on these big boats, these traveler boats, would be able to fish him out and read his limericks. And that sort of thing really did a lot for boosting the morale and helping the numbers of people who actually survived the journey. But the very man who founded and gave birth and gave such joy to the people of Limerick would soon tear that joy away from them, wouldn't he, Elliot? Once they got to Limerick, they had established this town. Things were going well. Although Mackenzie had an interesting way of speaking, he had yet to write this very first Limerick. And he was trying really hard to to figure out something to, to call this town, to figure out a poem about it. And he established a school with a partner of his who would later go on to found the town of Nantucket, but it was the Massachusetts Rhyming School. Yeah, the Massachusetts School of Rhyme is the official title, and there's still a school that operates today, and a lot of you know famous musicians of our history have, have attended... Um, you know, we're actually po- we're, we're casting this week from the campus of the School of Rhyme, and it's a beautiful campus with tons of you know open spaces for composing rhymes. Uh, I think I most famously one of the graduates is one Will Smith, who mm-hmm. wrote his his famous Fresh Prince of Bel Air rap because of his time here at the School of Rhyme. Uh, but it's not limited to him either. Famous rappers, famous musicians, even actors have attended the school. He and Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff were roommates here, weren't they? Absolutely, they were. And and DJ Jazzy Jeff is still uh, the poet laureate of the school today. He was headmaster for a little while, but you know sometimes you have to pass the torch. And uh, but. But although the school is so famous today, it was founded by these two friends who ended up being nemeses, and it was in a very infant stage of the limerick and the rhyme, and Mackenzie McIntyre was still sort of finding his voice. The slogan of the school, and still today, is you might be a poet and not even know that you are one. So there was a lot of 
time to you know gather these rhymes and and figure out what a rhyme is and how it could be formulated into the the a a b b a rhyme scheme we all know and love today and his partner sort of you know caught on to this and decided to go found his own town um now mackenzie mcintyre was a good-hearted man and even though he kind of had a bit of ire with this comrade of his he wanted what was best for limerick elliot how did it go so wrong how did it go from a man who wanted nothing but to see this fledgling town ascend to the top of the american psyche to one that would write a poem that would belie the the, the fateful future of the town and say that they would all eventually migrate not only spiritually, not only lyrically, but physically migrate to Nantucket, Massachusetts. It was a very juvenile thing, and uh, the the founder of Nantucket, John Tucket, it was, you know, it's very simple, Vince. He loved dick jokes. And don't we all to some extent, but he just would belabor this to, the, to no end, and Mackenzie McIntyre thought a limerick should be a peaceful thing, a thing to bring joy to people, and John Tuckett said, no, it should be all about dicks. And this is where, you know, the line was drawn, and uh, John Tuckett had his sort of band of merry men that followed him over to the neighboring island, where he said that anyone could tell any amount of dick jokes that they wanted, and people, the Irish immigrants who were down on their luck, and down their spirits really wanted to have a laugh and so they followed him exactly and so what we get is not a betrayal from Mackenzie McIntyre Elliot but a mournful limerick his first would be his last ever written in limerick Massachusetts he would later go on to travel the country and eventually you know be part of the earliest birth of the blues movement in the south but that's a different story for another time He wrote this forlorn, kind of ominous limerick about limerick, and it was his kind of, maybe even his despair about the way things went. He wished that he and John Tuckett could have reconciled earlier so that they could have both halves of limericism, but it just wasn't meant to be. And so he wrote this limerick about the people fleeing the town to Nantucket. In many ways, it was his swan song. They, they say that Mackenzie McIntyre was never quite the same again, and that's why he had to leave the town. But it really solidified Limerick, Massachusetts, as the, the birthplace of the limerick, regardless of the fact that Nantucket is so much more well-known. And in his own way, he immortalized the town's plight. And that has what been what's made it so memorable all over the years. Like, if, if it would just been the founding place of limericism in the United States, that'd be one thing. But it's this timeless tale of woe told in a lighthearted medium that has captured the spirit of the town and continues to resonate today. Just to, to clear the record, Mackenzie McIntyre, in a, a time of disbelief and a time of mourning, put up a placard when you when you uh, cross the canal right over into Limerick, and it says that John Tuckett really didn't have that big of a dick. It just says that, and he just you know wanted to clear the air a bit, and he wanted people to know that that his town was great, and that if you wanted to 
go to Nantucket for some more lewd limericks, then, you know, be his guest. But if you wanted to go to a wholesome town built by immigrants that come to Limerick. Very well said. Uh, an interesting and integral figure in Limerick's history. Um, maybe the most important figure in Limerick's history. I didn't know when I came here that he would have played such a just completely vital role in the founding and creation of this town. But I'm glad that I do know it now. Elliot, might you suspect that one or two of our listeners has a question of their own along the same lines? I would place my bets on that, and I think we should explore that in our next segment. Wouldn't you like to know? So each and every week, we thank you, the listener, for interacting with us, for writing in, for sharing your questions, your thoughts, and we read them on the air. We usually, and by usually I mean every single time, have time for three questions. Elliot, I've got the first question right here. Please, Vince, go right ahead. It's pretty well known at this point that the most famous limerick in Limerick is the one written by Mackenzie McIntyre. By the way, this comes from Padrag Santinerni from Holland, Texas. Wow, what an interesting name. Thanks, Padrag. It's also an Irish-sounding name, so maybe Mm -hmm. he has a personal vested interest in this. Um, He goes on to write, That said... Have there been any famous or influential limericks written here since? Hmm. What an interesting question. I mean, and we should have expected this fence being in Limerick, Massachusetts, don't you think? I think it, yeah, it would have spoken to our preparation had we had some prepared, but we have not. That said, our family has a personal history here, and we have a lot of latent information about Limerick. I bet we can rack our brains and come up with a couple that come from this city, don't you think, Elliot? I I think so. And actually, you know, in preparation for this, I was sort of scouring the family records, and I found one about uh, Mackenzie McIntyre that our great-great-great-grandfather wrote um, after all this nonsense with Nantucket happened. Elliot, that is just a treasure. Thank you so much for the legwork. I bet Padraig will be excited as I am to hear it. I think so, too. So the story goes that Mackenzie McIntyre, after a long battle with seeing all of his townspeople and his immigrants leaving, that he went into sort of a spiral of depression, and he definitely got a sweet tooth, and it it ended up that he had to get his leg amputated. And uh, so this limerick is a little bit about that. And it goes something like this. There once was a man from Limerick who was always in need of a medic. And so it was said, they cut off his leg. But he still complains that his leg's sick. Fascinating. So what happened was they they cut off his leg. um, And he still had this phantom leg syndrome. And Mm. yeah, and so he would you know, still call up the hospital at wee hours of the morning and complaining about his leg. And they they just sort of attributed this to early onset dementia. He was seeing his, his town collapse before him. Uh, he was eating so much candy, so much sweets, and he was, you know, diabetic, and he just wasn't right in the head anymore. But why this is such an important limerick, and I'm glad that you brought it up, Elliot, is because it led to two different real-life medical conditions being 
investigated more deeply and certified as real conditions by the U.S. Medical Association. The first, of course, being phantom limb syndrome, something that you hear about with amputees and, you know, soldiers who have lost limbs in the war. And second is called sweets delirium, where you enter a candy-fueled craze of dementia and hallucinations. And so both of those are diagnosable. They're only risen in popularity, notoriety, and investigation because of this limerick. Great answer to a great question, Elliot. Why don't we fire up the next one? I hope it's just as good. I think it's going to be. Uh, This one comes from Holly in uh, Walla Walla, Washington. I love Walla Walla. We've got to go there sometime, Elliot. We do. Thanks for writing, Holly. And it's great. The the sing-songy name of Walla Walla. And, you know, it just pairs so well with this episode. And Holly says, Dear Elliot and Vince, I love the show, and I'm so glad you're in Limerick, Massachusetts, because I'm a poetry major. Wow, I didn't even know that still existed. So good luck to you, Holly. Um, You're going to need it, Holly, but thank you for writing. But my question actually isn't about poetry. That's also interesting. She says, If Limerick was founded by Irish immigrants... What are some Irish influences in the town? Well, that's a very astute question, Holly. Thank you for writing. Elliot, we've run into more than our fair share, haven't we? We have. Uh, Irish culture is so ingrained and infused in the town. And, you know, it's it's a good thing that our last name is McNally. Because when they checked our IDs on the way into the island, if it hadn't have been some sort of Irish-sounding name, we probably would have been turned away. It's a small place here, Limerick, and it's a tight-knit community... And they're not all too fond of tourists um, having their spirit broken by the mass exodus of tourism uh, by their competitor Nantucket. So, you know, they're kind of, they're more cagey, they're more reserved than you might think about a normal small town in the United States of America. As for the Irish influences, I'll talk to one that made a specific mark on me, Elliot. Okay. And that's the, the local police force. Now, not only are they kind of, you know, dressed like the, you know, old English and Irish, you know, Bobby with the the round cap and the tight blue suit, but they also carry an interesting sidearm, Elliot. The potato gun. The potato gun. So they are stocked up on potatoes and any would-be felons will get shot with a potato? Yeah, and they even call it getting mashed when you get, you know, shot with one of these potato guns. They're on the forefront of potato gun technology. They have a contract with the Pentagon where they divide, where they develop more and more advanced potato guns. Um, you know, we saw a would-be shoplifter get hit with the Virginia Red at 200 paces right upside the head and knocked him clean out. They got a clean arrest off it. So you, you know that the officers here take both their duties and their firearms very seriously. Wow. That, that's interesting. I, I mean, I noticed that the police officers around town were dressed a little bit different, but now knowing that history is so interesting. And, I mean, it, it really makes me think about the, the potato industry of Limerick. And as we know, the potato famine is what brought Irish immigrants to Limerick in the first place, where they had the means, finally, to regrow and restart their 
potato-based economy, which all ended up being in Limerick. And uh, Vince, do you have any potato products beside the potato gun that you've gravitated to uh, the past week we've been here? Uh, dozens, actually, Elliot. I'll list some of my favorites. Um, one that I'll be taking home with me is Potato Peel, the overnight potato-based face mask. Great for great for exfoliating. You know, when you're on the road, you get some grit, you get some grime in your pores. That's just natural. But to stay looking, looking youthful and healthy, you want one of those overnight peels. The Potato Peel will do that for you. I also like the Potato Lado which is a storage unit that is specifically designed to keep things like potatoes cool and dry during your journeys. You know, you and I like to make fresh french fries on the road in our fryer in the back, and we can't do that without fresh potatoes. The potato ladle, everything we need to keep potatoes fresh on the road. You know, when we're driving around, we always think, why do we have a searing hot vat of oil in the back but then sloshing around but then we make french fries and we say oh okay that's why you know the so obvious now the uh deliciousness of french fries severely augments the catastrophic danger we put ourselves in just driving around the country ellie do you have a favorite potato product before we move on to the next question i do and it's actually potato juice i would i would be surprised but i can't be well, and it's actually because uh, in response to Nantucket creating Nantucket Nectars, Limerick wanted to create their own juice. No other fruit really grows on the island of Limerick except for potatoes. Um, and so they made this juice out of potatoes and it's, it's uh, you know, it's chewy and they can't really juice them down to a liquid consistency but I think it's one of the most innovative uses of potatoes I've seen. And, you know, it comes actually, it's just a potato with a straw, a straw stuck in it. But, mm. <laughs> but it's really so that's, innovative. That's what I was seeing you carrying around the other day. That's a great one. Elliot, before we move on, though, I think we'd be remiss not to mention probably the most popular nationwide potato product that comes out of Limerick. That would be Potatoes, which is a... Cheerios competitor that is gluten-free. It's based around potatoes, and they're little potato rings that come in a cereal box. So when you pour the milk in it, it really just becomes this mush, this gruel-like substance. But they market it as it can be breakfast food, it can be dinner food, it can be breakfast for dinner, it can be whatever you want. So Potatoes are actually sponsoring this episode, and we thank them for that. Yeah, thank you, Potatoes. The official cereal of Guantanamo Bay and the official cereal of these parts. Before we move on to our next segment, we have got time for one more question. Elliot, allow me to do the honors. It comes from Sven Gali in Toronto, Canada. Again, another Torontoan. Thank you for writing. We love our friends to the north. He writes, as a member of the Toronto Film Festival community, I consider myself an expert in the art of cinema. And he he wrote cinema, and then he wrote, in parentheses, a pronunciation, kind of Webster's Dictionary-esque guide to saying the word. Mm. Now, I it doesn't seem like the right way to say it. He's kind of, he's told us to put that, a very severe infinite emphasis on the A at the end of cinema. Um, yeah, it's almost a pretentious inflection. 
but let, let's continue reading. My pleasure. He goes on to write, As a movie buff and a cinephile, I want you guys to just take a minute to talk about the best movie to ever come out of Limerick, Massachusetts. No, I'm not talking about Limerick's Gone Wild 3. I'm talking about a little film that was Academy Award nominated in the 70s called Deliverance. Thanks for reading my question. I mean, it, that wasn't really a question. It just said, you know, talk about this movie that actually uh, Sven didn't actually take place here, unfortunately, I'm sorry to say. No, uh, I mean, I think our, our, the people writing in are getting more and more aggressive with these questions. They're, they're more like statements, declarative about the location of this movie. Well, there was that one and, that we got that was written in blood, and we're thinking, okay, well, I, this just seems a little too over the top for a question. Yeah, like there was... I, I totally agree, Elliot. I'll never forget, forget the instant gram of a man who had carved it into his chest. I mean, that shows dedication for a fact that could be easily looked up on the internet, uh, but <laughs> you people keep writing into us and demanding to know where this movie is taking place. We're sorry, it's in Georgia. It's not where we're going. We may not go there. Who knows? But please, for the safety of yourselves and the others around you, uh, if you want to ask us, we'll grin and bear it, but just use a pen and paper. Well said, Elliot. And thanks again for everyone who wrote in. Great questions this week. Um, And I'll have to check out Limerick's Gone Wild 3. It sounds like a real winner. That said, let's move on to something else that might be a little controversial, Elliot. That would be in our next segment. You can't do that here. You can't do that here is our very fond segment that investigates the nuances, the quirks, the distinctness of local legality, legislature, bylaws, ordinances that are a little bit funny as far as mainstream America might be concerned. Every small town has it. You might have heard apple pie can't be served without ice cream here in this town in Virginia. Well, Limerick is no exception, is it, Elliot? No, not at all. Um, Although you can get apple pie without ice cream in Limerick, there are some things that Vince and I didn't know before entering the town. And when we're traveling around small town America as is custom for visitors to do, although we try to assimilate as much as possible, Vince and I find ourselves in certain situations from week to week that would be funny for a local to find themselves in, but for a visitor, such as Vince and myself, we just stumble into these things not knowing because, you know, we we don't know the customs, and especially on a secluded island town such as Limerick, there are tons of things uh, that they don't do the same way as the mainlanders. Very well said, Elliot. I think I'm going to kick things off with something that I encountered on our first night here in Limerick. I went to make a pretty simple purchase, so I thought. We had a little leak in the roof of the RV, uh, probably damaged when we attempted to float it across the bay. Happens all the time. And there was water coming in through a light rainstorm. So I went to the local hardware store, and I attempted to make a very fateful purchase, Elliot. I tried to buy a bucket. So yeah, so you just tried to buy a bucket, and, and what happened, Vince? 
Well, I was very rudely dismissed, and I was told that if I was ever caught trying to traffic bucketry through Limerick again, I'd be thrown in the clink, as they said. So they would throw you in the proverbial clink just for buying a bucket? I I wasn't with you when you went to the hardware store. I was trying to buy some potato juice, and I don't even remember this happening. So what happened? Well, I told him I was from out of town, and I didn't understand why. And the police officer, you know, he you know, was polishing his potato gun at the time very threateningly, but he took a warm kind of approach to me, and he said, well, if you're an outsider, you're a McNally, how bad can you be? He said, after the rise of Nantucket's most famous limerick of its own, they were so abashed both by the lewdness of it and by the popularity it gained that they did what they could to hurt its legacy and stop selling buckets here in Limerick. Wow. So, really, the town of Limerick has been influenced legally by just Nantucket's existence at this point. I mean, originally establishing the town of Nantucket as sort of, uh, you know, an FU to Mackenzie McIntyre was one thing, but now these Limerickers are living their lives based on the doings of Nantucket. It does seem to be that way, Elliot. So that's one of the examples. Elliot, I know that you have a story of your own about a little run-in you had with the local authorities. Yeah, well, I'm really glad that I was sipping my potato juice once I ordered my lunch because apparently it is against the law to not have a potato with anything you're eating. That sounds really excessive. Is that true, Elliot? It's true, and in order to combat the the great hunger, as they call it in Ireland, um, they wanted to really bolster the potato economy, especially in Limerick, to show that Irish immigrants could pull themselves up by their bootstraps, that everything was fine over in the United States. So this is a very long-dated law that no matter what you're having, no matter uh, what you're eating, you have to have a potato with it. doesn't matter if it's cooked, if it's chopped, if it's fried. It's Even if you don't eat it, that's okay. It's more of an observance that you have to have a potato with you, and a lot of times that can be cumbersome. They, If you're at a restaurant, they do charge you for the potato as well, regardless. Um, nothing is a la carte like that, but it's just uh, you know one of these traditional things that you have to abide by when you're in town. Wow, fascinating. Lucky for me, I was always carrying around our McNally fries that we make at the back of our RV. Um, While I was doing it, a leak from the roof splashed into the oil. We all know how oil and water works. I received second-degree burns all the way up my arm. But it was worth the potatoes that kept me out of prison here in Limerick. Elliot, that's fascinating how we both had different experiences. We always come up with such... It amazes me that we can come up with such different perspectives on the same topics every time we visit a town. I think we might want to peel back another layer of this potato in another segment, Elliot. I didn't realize potatoes had layers, but I think I would like to investigate this as well in a segment we call Did You Know? I, too, didn't know initially that potatoes have layers, But talking to the experts here in Limerick made me realize that it does indeed have two layers, the skin and the potato. It's all about perspective, Elliot. 
with that, why don't you share your first did you know? I'd love to. And it actually has to do with potatoes. And uh, Vince, did you know that the National Potato Museum is in Limerick? Elliot, I didn't know that. I can't believe I didn't run into it. Well, when you were in your whole bucket debacle, I had my lunch and I went over to the Potato Museum. I had a great time. Um, the Potato Museum started by actually John Tuckett. It was one of the last things he did before he got too fed up with the lack of rhyming skills of Mackenzie McIntyre and left the town. But he wanted to make his name not tarnished by Mackenzie McIntyre, and so he started this potato museum. Uh, the interesting thing about it is that he was using it as a front for his juice company. Elliot, is this where potato juice comes from? Yes, so... In the early days of Nantucket Nectars, it was actually all potato juice. He had developed this formula, um, and then quickly he realized that, that fruit made for far better juice than a potato or a root vegetable. And uh, so he ditched that. He went to Nantucket, and many years later, when they were excavating some new grounds of the museum, they found the famous potato juice recipe, and the rest is history. Wow, fascinating. I didn't know that, Elliot. I also didn't know that John Tuckett would need to discover that fruit made better juice, as fruit juice has existed for literally millennia. That said, very interested to learn it, but did you know that while DJ Jazzy Jeff served for a small time as headmaster at the Massachusetts School of Rhyme, the new headmaster is also a pop culture icon. Hmm. And who would that be? That would be the Count from Sesame Street. The Count from Sesame Street? We have been here a week and we haven't even seen him yet? He's very dedicated to his work. He stays mostly cooped up in the rookery of the, of the school. And, you know, you see his birds coming and going. And you can see him brooding in the window. But the school has absolutely flourished other, under his guidance. You know, one, two, three, four thousand new enrollees last year. And the numbers just seem to be growing. So I, I would assume it's his job to count these newcomers into the college. And as they gain their way into the thousands, he's got a lot of time just spent counting. Am I correct? Yeah, it's a safe assumption. Yes, Elliot. Wow, Vince, I didn't know that. But did you know that a, another famous pop culture icon is actually not allowed in Limerick? Elliot, you don't say. Who would that be? It would be none other than Lucky, the crazy leprechaun from Lucky Charms. This fictional character is barred from passage into Limerick? Well, he's actually not fictional he's he's much of a tall tale the the cereal box icon and namesake of lucky charms is based on a real person who came over on the boat from ireland to limerick and he was not a friend to either mackenzie mcintyre or john tuckett and for this reason his name the cereal of which it's based on him are all banned from limerick that's positively fascinating, Elliot. Seems like a lot of people aren't welcome here. Well, he apparently was, as they say, a better rhymer than 
either of the guys who started the the National Rhyming School, and so they couldn't have that, and so they said, okay, we'll get back on the boat back to Ireland, and so that's what he did. That's that's really interesting. Elliot, I didn't know that. I didn't know the first thing about it. But did you know that potato byproducts here in Limerick are almost as important as the potatoes themselves? Hmm, I, I could have suspected that, but I didn't know that. The biggest example of this is potato eyes, which are sort of sproutish, semi-tumorous protrusions that grow on potatoes over time. It's actually where we get the craft phenom googly eyes. We get googly eyes from potatoes? You sure do. If grown under the right condition, potato eyes will not resemble a kind of hard, woody sprout. Instead, they will look just like the googly eyes that you see in Joanne Fabrics across the country. And so I'm assuming that Joanne Fabrics has a exclusive deal with the town of Limerick, then. Joanne Fabrics is responsible for over 85% of the local economy here in Limerick. Wow, Vince, I didn't know that, but I think I want to head over to Joanne's once I'm done, and this is by no means a plug for that. Thank you, Joanne's. But did you know that it is impossible to navigate around Limerick? I've kind of had trouble getting from here to there, but why is that, Elliot? The reason it's so hard is because although the town is built on a grid structure, it's all the streets are named after the Limerick rhyming scheme of A-A-B-B-A. So you have an A street next to another A street, and you have a B street, a B street, and an A street. And so all of the postal codes are very hard to understand. All the streets being named, some of them identically, are very hard to navigate as well. And it's only complicated, I imagine, by the fact that every single B Street is called Big B Street. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the town is over 74 streets named Big B Street. It is. And so when you have all these B Streets, Big B Streets, A Street, with the same addresses, it's going to be impossible. And Vince and I were using a map, the map app, the app that's a map, to try and navigate around the town while we were here. They couldn't even do it. And you know if map can't do it, we're going to have quite a hard time doing it yep you know if map can't get you there that's you're in a real tough scenario you're be in a pickle. my map the map app the app that's a map app didn't even load it just showed a picture of a, a frowny face when i tried to fire oh, it. oh i think i got an email break. about that and that's just kind of standard now for the next few months so i don't think that actually Good was to... attributed to the town just so you know oh let's see another bonus thing that i didn't know a lot of enlightenment going on in this segment today, Elliot. I always admire your contribution to that segment and the show. But what I admire even more is our listeners and that they stick by us each and every week. I think we should thank them, Elliot. I think we should, in our final segment, Wish You Were Here. So Wish You Were Here is my and Vince's audio letter dictated by us to you, the listener, as a thank you for being with us on a journey each and every week. So, Vince, do you want to start off this letter? I'd be honored. It starts, Dear listener, wish you were here in Limerick, Massachusetts. A town founded by Irish immigrants and to have the first Limerick based on it. A town, however, that was soon besmirched by a local competitor, 
the now infamous Nantucket. In a town whose very existence is based on the disdain of Nantucket. And also potatoes. A town where your potato can go on your face, on your plate, or in your gun. In a town where you could say potato, you could say potato, but you better not say Nantucket, and you better not be asking for a bucket. So farewell from these parts to yours. Hey guys, thanks again for listening to another episode of These Parts, but please tune in next week when Vince and I are going to another island town, Uluwahi, Hawaii. Uluwahi, Hawaii claims to have coined famous surfer phrases such as kawabunga, hang ten, and totally nectar, among others. It should be a very interesting episode. Don't miss it.